All he's asking for is to play on the contract that he and the team agreed to. Exactly. Years ago. Oh, he's yep. not asking for anything to change. The team wants something to change. So. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, June the 5th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Easton Fries. I'm joined, as always, once again after a one-show hiatus, producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter, at JT underscore Runky. JT, how you doing, man? How's your weekend? I'm good. It was a good weekend. Happy Monday. Um... Last thing this week, mandatory mini camps upcoming, and then we fully hit the NFL drought season. And we get cast so, into the wilderness. Yeah, I'm not yeah. not too excited about that to be honest. But it'll be hey, it'll be an interesting time. We get one more week right. though. Like like the doomsday preppers we are, we have we have a decent cachet of things stored up to talk about. We do that will last us some amount of time. Will it last us the full six or seven weeks before we get back to camp at, in late July? Mm, we'll see we'll, <laughs> we'll figure see. it out we will figure it out we will find something to talk about at least once a week i am mostly curious to see like i don't know you and i haven't even discussed this, this is like a pre-show meeting we're doing on the air do we want to go to two shows a week do we want to go to one show a week i don't know mm-hmm. maybe we just feel it out just see what you know you don't want to you don't want to just put out nonsense content <clears throat> but i don't want to disappear either we got to keep the momentum going so i'll tell you this Very we're true. we're for sure doing at least one show a week through even the deadest time of the year um, anything more than that will be at our discretion, I suppose. But today, <laughs> we do have this week, maybe our last week of content for the show that doesn't take a ton of effort and creativity on our part. We do have mandatory mini camp coming up, which we're going to dive into. That's the bulk of today's show. We're going to do a draft on what we are looking for at mandatory mini camp this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, I will be there with the media. We'll get to see and talk to everybody on those three days. And it'll be a three-show week today, just in terms of schedule, by the way. Today, we'll do what we're looking for. On Wednesday, will be kind of the halftime. What have we seen so far? Kind of a recap the first two days. And then on Friday, as usual, we will uh, do our weekly recap, round everything up from the mandatory mini camp, And then that'll be kind of our last show, I think, of current events before we jump into some off-season topics. But before we get to that today, JT... Um, unrelated to sports, but I do have to mention this because I just came from CVS picking up a prescription, a prescription drug that I take. I go and get it every month, right? Very normal. It's a medication that I take that I have a, a prescription card, like discount card for that my doctor gives me that makes it 20 bucks every time, every month, 20 bucks a month for, for 30 days worth of this medication. They, when I went today, I never knew what it would cost without the prescription card. I found out on accident today because they forgot to scan it when they rang me up. Do you want to know how much these 30 days worth of pills were going to cost me without this silly little card that my doctor gave me? How much? $997. She oh rang me God. up and said, that'll be $997 <laughs> with a straight face. And I looked at her like, where's like, where's the punchline? What's the joke? <laughs> Can you? It is unbelievable to me. <clears throat> how expensive these medication companies choose to like, they just try so hard to gouge you because there's no shot. It costs them more than what? Maybe like five bucks to make those 30 pills. Maybe not. Yeah. And it's not even a, I know like with insurance, it's an insurance thing. That's one thing where it's like, you know, the medical services are very expensive, but your insurance covers it. 
this this medicine's not covered by my insurance. It's a third party thing. But with this silly little card that I don't like, it's not, I don't know what the significance is. It's literally just a coupon that my doctor gives me. It takes a thousand dollars off of the total of this medication. It just that, blows my that's mind. That's wild. Isn't uh, that wild? Yeah. I mean, I, I have last time I went to go pick up my medication on the opposite side of the ball, mine cost 16 cents. <laughs> and I was 16 almost, cents. Yeah. What are you taking? Advil? Give me some of that. That's amazing. <laughs> and I, I was almost tempted to just like run out to my car and get my little pennies and schmeckles that were, that are, that are in my, that are in my car and just like behind you and just start like, counting out coins. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm going to have a charge on my card from Walgreens for 16 cents. Like what are like we doing? Fraud. You know, yeah, right? Exactly. So <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. That that blew my mind today. That it, it with the silly little card I get from my imagine, doctor for imagine free, forgetting your card. No, I know. Well, that's the thing. I have it on file, and I was worried. Like, did they lose it? Because I don't know where this thing is. I gave it to them months ago. They better have oh, they, it. They they hold it. For yeah, you, that's what I I'm guess. saying. Like, you guys have okay. it on file. They forgot to scan it. But yeah, it kind of freaked me out because I was like, I'm not paying that. Like, I'll just <laughs> yeah, I'll just be I'll be ill. I'll be <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> I would rather I would rather not be broke. Um, but before we get into the actual topic today, we didn't, um, on Friday's show, I just mentioned Brett Kern's retirement, which happened on Friday, I think, right. Or maybe it was Thursday, Thursday, I think is when, when he had that press conference, but Brett Kern, a Titans, great retired, need to give him his due a little in memoriam segment here on the show. And I wanted to just read off some of the information on him and his career, just to kind of recap what was, I mean, JT, you weren't probably paying a ton of attention to the Titans from 2011, 2012 ish until like 2016 ish when the J Rob and Mike Vrabel era first began. But there were some years in there, a little Mike Malarkey, um, uh, a little, uh, God, I'm blocking his name out. Uh, Mike, w- uh, Mike Wisenhunt, who was the shortest tenured coach for the team. I think he had an overall record of like two and 19 as a coach. Didn't even last two seasons. There were some dark, dark days in there. And then who was playing quarterback for the Titan? It was, it was, you know, clipboard Jesus, Charlie Wisenhunt. You had a little Fitz magic in there for a second. Um, It it was tough. A little Jake Locker sprinkled in there, like bad times, bad, bad times there for a little bit. Yeah. Like who? Matt Hasselback. Yeah, oh yeah, Matt Hasselback. That's like end of career. Matt Matt Hasselback spent some time there. It was a tough time for the Titans, and through all of that, there were a number of seasons where, legitimately, without question, not even close, the best player on the team was the punter. He was like (laughs) a top one, two, three at worst punter in the league on a team that was horrible, and. Maybe that kind of bolstered his stats because the buddy, I mean, he played a lot. The dude was on the field often during those years. But let me read off what the the Titans organization themselves emailed us in the media as kind of just a, a recap of his career. It said, former Tennessee Titans punter Brett Kern will announce his retirement today, capping a 15-year NFL career. The University of Toledo product entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent with the Denver Broncos in 2008, spent 22 games with the club before being claimed off of wa- waivers by the Titans midway through the 2009 campaign. I didn't know. I knew he started with the Broncos. I didn't know he was a waiver claim by the Titans. Apparently, and I don't know if this is uncommon or not, but as a punter, when he was put on waiver wires, it, it was Josh McDaniel's Broncos team. They started six and zero, and then I think Kern had like one Monday night or Sunday night football game where he shanked two punts, and McDaniel's just cut him. 
And I'm not saying it's because he cut Brett Kern, but I am saying they finished that season like uh, one and seven and missed the playoffs after starting six and oh. So, I mean, it, I'm not saying it, it's related, but I'm not saying it's not related. Um, and then four teams put in a waiver claim for this dude. And the Titans were just bad enough to be the first team to get him. But imagine if they hadn't been, would have really changed the uh, the landscape of the, of the Titans punting position. As a Titan, Kern became one of the most productive punters in the NFL, setting numerous club records and cementing himself as one of the best directional punters in NFL history. That That's certainly how I'm going to remember him. He's He is one of, if not the best directional punter of our generation, which is, again, niche. And for football nerds like us, that matters. But for the average fan, probably not. There's only one punter in the Hall of Fame, Ray Guy. I'm not, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer by any stretch of the imagination because I don't, I frankly, I don't know how a special teamer like a punter gets into the Hall of Fame unless you're just the, like, the greatest thing that we've ever seen at the position. Well, who and knows? Kern maybe, was, maybe like Ryan Stonehouse just keeps breaking his record every single year that he plays. That, but like, that's, exactly. That's, that's really the only way I think you get in. I don't know how else you get in. You have to be freaking the best. You just have to be the dude. Um, but I do think that I do think Kern should be a Titans ring of honor guy simply because of the fact that, again, there were like three or four seasons I can point to in the mid 2010s where he was as a punter, legitimately the best player on the team, legitimately the only thing worth watching on the team. Um, it continues over his 15 year NFL career. He and if you ask CBS Sports, he spent all 15 of those years with the Titans and the Titans <laughs> new punter, by the way. He appeared in 223 regular season games and recorded 1006 punts. For 46,136 total yards with a 45.9 yard average, 396 kicks placed inside the opponent's 20-yard line. Kern saw action in nine postseason contests and registered 41 punts for 1,800 yards with 20 of those kicks placed inside the 20-yard line. He was named to three consecutive Pro Bowls from 2017 to 2019, earned first-team Associated Press All-Pro Honors in 2019, and was a two-time team captain. How often is the punter a team captain in 2020 and 2021 as a Titan Kern placed his name at the very top of the most, of, excuse me, at the very top of most of the franchise's records at his position in 2020, he passed Craig Hendricks uh, Hendrich as the organization's all-time leader for punts. He concludes his career as the team's all-time career leader in punts with 923 all-time leader in gross average punts, uh, punting average, rather 45.9 yards, net punting average of 40.8 yards and punts placed inside the 20, 373 total punts. Kern owns nine of the top 10 net punting seasons in franchise history and six of the team's top nine gross punting seasons with 197 career games played with the Titans. Kern ranks third in franchise history behind Bruce Matthews and Elvin Bethea. Wow. Third all time in most team or most games played as a Titan. I did, I did not know that one. His total is the most for any player during the Titans uh, during the franchise's Titans era since 20, or 1999. Um, and then the the quote from controlling owner Amy Adams Strunk: "I want to congratulate Brett on an amazing NFL career. He was a true professional and one of the important players who helped our organization reach the level of success that they have sustained for a number of years now. After being named to three Pro Bowls, receiving All Pro honors, and setting record after record." He would be on a very short list of the best waiver claims our organization has ever made. Brett will always be considered one of the Titans family, and we wish him continued success in the years to come. Uh, a native of Grand Island, New York, Kern received All-American honors at Toledo before becoming an undrafted free agent with the Broncos. So that being said, congratulations to Brett Kern on a fantastic career. I'm never going to forget. Honestly, my favorite memories of Brett Kern is he, his family lives around the Brentwood area. 
And, you know, he's been around here so long. I grew up just as a Titans fan. I would be 13 years old and I'd walk into a restaurant and him and his family would be sitting there. And it was so cool that uh, a Titans player was was sitting down in the restaurant and I was sitting at a booth right next to him. And and uh, he's a really nice guy. Gotten to talk to him a little bit uh, in the locker room. Very, very great family man. So hope he has uh, a great retirement. He earned it. All right, JT, let's move on to mandatory mini camp. And we have 10 topics, 10 questions, 10 things that we're looking to see this week in the three days that we'll have media access at Titans mandatory mini camp. And we're going to go draft style just to kind of uh, make this into a, a, a full fledged segment segment, make make a bit out of this. So I'll give you the honors here. If you'd like to start, what's the number one thing? you are looking to see this week at Titans mandatory minicamp. Yeah, I think the first and most obvious, uh, say it has to be the obvious one. The right. obvious one here is does Kevin Byard show up? <laughs> mandatory yeah. minicamp has mandatory for a reason. That's the first um, word in the title. So it is. It is. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Kevin Byard shows up, of course, still kind of in contract negotiations and restructuring, um, so, and like you said last week, it, it, you kind of give him until mandatory mini camp. And if he doesn't show up, then you kind of start hitting the panic button. If he doesn't show up this week, it's, it's kind of go yeah, that's time. A, that's for what the I was going to say. Like this, this is kind of the, I think for most people, this is the threshold between cautiously optimistic and really concerned. This is, this is the thing. And, and frankly, <laughs> I'm maybe this is cynical, but I'm inclined to think even if he doesn't show up a pretty decent segment of the fans will still just keep pushing that deadline back. Well, it's, you know, it is j early June. He'll it's be here early by camp. June. <laughs> He'll be here by camp. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I, I do think you should be worried if he does not show up to this, because he'll be fine. That that will be a kind of a, a, a real proper shot across the bow in this cold war between Bayard's camp and the Titans as, as they look to, and again, he's, he's under contract. He's on the team. It's just the cap number at which he is slated to count against the Titans books this year in the $19 million and change region is, is too much for an aging safety at a position that they desperately need him to play. We know that their depth is it's two, maybe three guys. If you include Bayard that you actually want on the field and beyond that, you don't want to see that at all. Um, so he's, he's somebody that needs to show up. What, what is your feeling? I I'll be, I'll be pretty floored if he's not there personally. I mean, just as how we talk about him, you know, he's been team first for his entire basically tenure here for the Titans. Um, he's always been a guy who puts a team first is one of the few leaders on this team that a lot of people look up to and is respected mm -hmm. by both coaches and players. Um, so if, if he doesn't show up, I too would be pretty surprised by um, his absence this week, but you never know with, with contract stuff like this, it's a lot of, it's a lot of calling each other's bluffs. And yep. this, this is a big time for Kevin Byard to see if he's going to call the Titans bluffs and vice versa. So it'll be interesting. And I'm sure that is the, the number one thing this week. When every, when all the media get there, they're going to be yes. Kevin Byard. Where Kevin, is is Kevin here. <laughs> exactly. I, the last thing I'll say on Kevin before we move on is if he doesn't show, which again, I, I think that he will, I, I, I'm pretty confident he's going to show up. If he doesn't, I think that it's going to be interpreted differently by different people. For me, 
it will be less. And it depends player by player. Like, for example, if Christian Fulton didn't show up, I would feel like that was more reflective of or an indication of Fulton being a bonehead. And and again, I'm not saying he's not going to, I'm not saying he is these things because I'm expecting him to be there as well. You know, the the player's a bonehead. This is, this is them being way too aggressive. This is, um, this is reflective of, of them and, and the team maybe not having a great interpersonal relationship with Bayard. If he doesn't show it's, it's much less in my mind, villainizing of Bayard and, and much more, I get, I'm, I'm having a hard time explaining this. I, I guess I, it would make me feel like this contract situation where the two camps are is, is way further apart than we ever, like the, clearly there's much more of an issue here, a more tangible problem than we believe at this, at this point. I think that the, the level in my mind to which this contract is a, is a serious flashing red light on the Titans dashboard rises significantly and is less of a, well, Kevin's just like, he's being stubborn. He, he doesn't actually want to be here. I think he wants to be here. So if he's not, I think that's going to be indicative of the front office having some real issues. Yeah, I, I think so too. Cause it's such a, I mean, you mostly see this with a lot of like big name stars, wide receivers, running right, backs, like the OBJ like types, the, 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 the Le'Veon Bell saga, the Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson saga before everything Debo. went down. Uh, yep. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's you never really see a safety um, <laughs> be. And I mean, he's a star. He's been he a is, top five safety in the league for a couple of years now. But you're right um, in terms of position. And it's such like a, it, it's not like it's not like, hey, I, I want a new contract. It's more like, hey, they want to pay me less money this year so like well, that's the thing yeah to, to be it's, fair it's to Kevin, all he's asking for is to play on the contract that he and the team agreed to exactly years ago oh he's yep. not asking for anything to change the team wants something to change so that I, I guess that would indicate to me that like the team is saying we're going to we're going to get rid of we're not letting you play on this number so come to the table or or we're going to find a way to ship you off get you off this team one way or another like that's what that tells me and it's not and that, kevin being being the line in the sand it's the and team then, putting the yeah, line in the sand and i guess that's how i kind of feel if he doesn't show up because if 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 the team is like i don't want you to play on this contract um and they're they truly are just so far off in the numbers why would he show up if, if the team really does not want to value him at what his current contract values him uh, it makes sense not to show up so i if he if he doesn't i i'd be surprised i'm, I'm not going down this this whole diva road that you see a lot of like wide receivers and other right, other right. uh players take once they start not showing up to things we we just know like we we we've got enough experience with kevin byard to know not a diva definitively not a diva he did he's not been pretending to not be a diva for the past six seven years and so and suddenly this is the real him you know what i mean so i'm i'm with you on that i'll i'll make my first pick and to kind of stay along the same lines here, let's talk about the other guy we've not really seen much of on the Titans secondary. And by not much of, I mean, we've not actually seen him out there at all yet. <laughs> we just have word. We've been told. Sources are saying he's in town. Um, and, he, and he's planning on being there at minicamp. That's Christian Fulton, the Titans cornerback one in terms of talent and the way that they utilize him in a contract year. Um, this is his fourth and final year of his contract. Obviously, the number one thing I'm looking for is just the vibes. What are what are the Christian Fulton vibes this week? We know, pre, I say we know, we have a very, very good reason to believe that the vibes between Christian Fulton and his head coach, 
the vibes between Christian Fulton and the team and its and its culture, the aura of the team, what it stands for. There's it's not broken. That relationship is not broken by any means that, that we know of, but it certainly is strained. And we know that this is a big year for him and that it's kind of a touchy subject when you talk to Mike Vrabel, when you talk to the position coaches. We talked to, you know, his his defensive backs coach on this this past Wednesday or Tuesday. Last last week, midweek, I forget which day. Um, time is a flat circle. I, the, the the message was basically, we know it's a big year for Christian. He knows it's a big year for him. Contract year. He's got to show up to make money. That's how it goes. We expect to see him in minicamp. Is he going to be kind of cold and detached? What's the you know what is the body language going to be like this week when we talk to him coming off the field? What is he going to have to say to us? Is it going to be very buttoned up and coach speaky, you know, not really revealing anything, just kind of giving us non-answers. Is he going to kind of let his personality or maybe his, his personal viewpoints show a little bit. And, And the same way that Mike Vrabel has kind of a little bit let out in his statements that he's not, you know, led us to believe that he's maybe not crazy about Christian Fulton and the injury situation and the way that he goes about handling himself off the field from a, not a, a personal standpoint, but from a body standpoint, maintenance standpoint, um, is Christian Fulton going to kind of let that divide in their, in their relationship show through a little bit. I think that's going to be pretty telling. And one of the most interesting things this week, JT, do you, do you think that it's going to, if you had to guess, do you think it's going to be more awkward or kind of business as usual with him? I think, well, he was, he kind of, sort of played last week, last week's OTAs is kind of like a half week, like showed right. up for half of it in the middle of it. Um, I think last week, maybe you might've saw some more of that. Of course, media wasn't available right. for that. And so maybe for good behind, they, they don't want us to see that stuff behind closed doors. It maybe started off like that. I would assume that, like you said, it's a, it's a big year for Bayard. And I'm assuming that starting a mandatory mini camp this week, He's going to be business as usual, um, wanting wanting to get on the right foot and start off this this offseason program with a with a new fresh week. I mean, also, it's just it's very important for him to to actually be here because yeah. um, of his of his injury history. I, th- I think with this with what the, what the, the new coach is now doing, he's, got a, he's a, in a brand coach, new position coach. Um, I think it's pretty important for him to to be here for at least the mandatory stuff. Um so, so we'll see. Um, I'm hoping that it that it is business as usual. Um, yeah, but sure. If it isn't, all the more interesting. I, it'll make our job easy. For yeah. to talk about. <laughs> all right. What's your next draft? I'm gonna move over from the secondary position. Let's go to the the two young quarterbacks. I'll start off with okay. Will Levis. We yeah. talked about last week, as you said. Will Levis has had good days. He's had okay days, and then last week during media availability, he had a pretty bad day. It was rough. Um, how is Will Levis trending this week? When, Breaking when... rookie quarterbacks, <laughs> not super consistent in May and June. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But now that now that um, at mandatory mini camps, we'll get to see him not just during one period of practice, but uh, over a couple of days. How is mm-hmm. he trending um, with this offense? And kind of how is he getting it down? How is he looking? It'll be interesting to see uh, him in a more elongated uh, viewing window. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I would say that's an interesting thing for us to look at this week, but you must have missed it. We've seen him miss the entire net in a net drill <laughs> on Twitter, and then we saw Anthony Richardson hit a net twice in a drill 
that's on crazy. The bullseye. So that yeah, I mean, it, that just means that Anthony Richardson is a is a future Hall of Famer, and Will I Levis mean, is not an NFL quarterback. And I think I think when when Shane Steichen was talking about that next level stuff, I think it was. Um, I think, I think it was Anthony was Richardson net. hitting the net twice instead of <laughs> yeah. once. That, that, that is, that, that really is the next level. If I had to describe that in one word, it'd be next level. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> no, I'm with you. And I think that's important. I'm, I am super excited to get to see him multiple days in a row because of what you said. It's about trends this time of year. It's about, you know, not, did you have a good day? Did you have a bad day? It's, did you have a good week? Did you have a good month? Did you, did you? put together more good days at the end of this month than you did at the, the beginning of this month. Are you trending in the right direction? Is it starting to click? Um, that's what we want to see. And that's, I'll, I'll just go ahead and go with the next guy. Like you said, my, my second pick, I'll go with Malik Willis and specifically looking to see does his continued attempt at mastery of some of those quarterbacking 100 level, 200 level things start to look good. I, I know that our, our guy, Paul Kaharski, whose show is also on the 440 podcast network, had a show earlier this week talking about um, what we heard from the new quarterbacks coach, Charles London from Atlanta, and how they're kind of working on 300 level quarterbacking right now with those guys in that room. You've got three guys at very different levels um, in terms of between the ears. You know, Ryan Tannehill, one of the most veteran guys in terms of knowledge in the league. Um, limitations are physical, but from a, a mental standpoint, he's, he's seen pretty much all of it at this point in, in his decade plus career. Will Levis, young, raw, rookie, but coming from an NFL style program at an SEC school. So kind of middle of the road, I'd say in that quarterback room. And then, and then Malik Willis is the, is the caboose and has been the caboose. And it's because he's come from Liberty. He played at a very gimmicky collegiate style um, school with a very collegiate style offense. And last year, those those shortcomings they, they showed. We, we saw we saw what he lacked in terms of NFL pro style ball, being able to get from read one to two to three in, in in a short amount of time, navigating the pocket, keeping your eyes downfield, not looking to tuck the ball and run, um, not panicking in the pocket, not accidentally rolling yourself into pressure um, instead of rolling out of pressure, like that kind of thing. Was it an issue for him? And also, you know, he's got a big arm. He's got a cannon, but the accuracy kind of can go out the window when he's panicking like that. And there were a number of throws where you saw um, him try to slot it in, hit a window that wasn't there or was too small to justify throwing the ball, making arm arrogance decisions, making poor decisions. And then simple things like just command of the huddle, body language, performance at the podium, all of these things. Those are all quarterbacking 101, 201 level things that he's still working to get ironed out. And that's what he's focused on this offseason as he should. We've seen positive things from him in that capacity in the couple of times we've seen him at OTA so far. So I'm mostly looking to see, is he going to continue those things? And can he, can he get those things down pat so that he can be on the same level as the other two guys in terms of trying to master those quarterback 301 things, looking at different defensive coverages, trying to read defenses pre-snap, um, trying to, be able to get through more progressions in a, in a, a, a smaller amount of time and really hone, hone that skill as, as a quarterback mentally back there in the pocket, knowing where to, and not to look that kind of thing. He can't really get to until he gets these more fundamental things down. So does he have them down is what I'm looking to see. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it'll be interesting to see both of these guys in 
as as it kind of is a a little bit of a QB race to be the the, the backup, which is yeah. it's a it's a quarterback competition. Well, to it's be the a backup, fascinating case is, study, right? Because yeah. they're both they're both limited, but in such different ways. They're um, they're also two just very different quarterbacks at, at the, at the core of it. So it's it's yep. it's it's hard to compare them, but the best you can do is how compare their trends and is one seem to be improving and one is not. Um, That's really all you can do with those two, not necessarily compare them. I will move on here to talking about some receivers. There are a lot of new um, depth receivers on this team and we've seen uh, clips of them making some crazy catches and we've seen clips of them just uh looking like messing the a, yeah deck chairs and lawn furniture that they are yeah. exactly my question is there are guys like colton dow the seventh round pick um mm-hmm. of, of this year's draft uh udfa guys like jacob copeland and uh we haven't heard a lot of him since he since he was at rookie camp but even like a georgia kiers jackson or any mm-hmm. of these guys um are making enough progress to maybe usurp some of the uh depth players like a racy mcmath or a nick westbrook akine or something like that how are these guys performing how are they being used in this offense how are they uh fitting in with the team and are they doing enough work right now to where it seems like they might be the new depth of this team no i'm with you and this is the time of year we're officially on who's going to be the camp darling watch right this is the time of year where even very bad players. Did you see the headline out of Pittsburgh? Yeah, I was, I was about to bring that up. Exactly. You can, you can go on that, but we do have to mention that that's mandatory. Yeah. You know, it's, it's time to find who we're, who we're thinking is sneaky going to make this team. And the Steelers have found them, baby. They've got Steelers have found their, their darling in Des Fitzpatrick. Oh, baby. (laughs) Des Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the NFL. He no, just needed but, to get to a competent wide receiver franchise. Clearly, he, now he's going to be a stud NFL player. Yes, exactly. But uh, <laughs> with with a couple of these guys, not saying um, that we're going to mandatory minicamp this week and looking for these guys to become the the next big thing for this team. But how are they progressing? And right. are, are they going to be doing enough to make this team and maybe be some viable options that um, – improve the depth instead of just keep it as just that just deck chairs and lawn furniture right let's take that a step further and look at the actual depth chart which i have pulled up here let's take the guys that we know are going to make the team out of the equation Traylon burks is making the team nwi is making the team kyle phillips is making the team chris moore is making the team those four are on the roster barring some you know god forbid some horrendous injury to them there are one two three four five six seven eight other guys listed at wide receiver on this roster right now fighting for between one and at most four additional spots. I'm expecting the Titans to keep five, six, maybe seven. You occasionally see a team keep eight receivers, but this team's not keeping eight receivers, even though it's technically possible. It ain't happening. There's, there's not enough talent on this team for them to keep an eighth receiver. So I'd say between five and seven receivers are going to make the 53 man roster and four are already locked in. So the, the the other eight guys here are fighting for at most three spots. Who's going to claim them, right? Let, let, let's let's take these guys and um, put. Let's kind of let's go e- each guy at a time, and right now put a percentage on them making the roster. Um, let's start at the bottom. Gavin Holmes. He he's a rookie UDFA. I don't even know where he went to school. 
I'd say there's a a zero percent chance he makes the roster. Like it, it's just not it's not happening, right? Where where would you where would you place him? I would. I mean, you never know. There, I I, I wouldn't say there's. I would say yeah. I would for the okay. sake of for the sake of everything, I give him like maybe a five percent chance. Maybe right. he I'll just, give Gavin a fighting chance. I'll give him a one percent. That's, that's yeah, the most I'll give. Him. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that I feel like is more of a um just a camp body, body for for camp. Um, he went to Baylor though, so mm-hmm. true. So uh, uh, FBS school. So like he's got a he, little pedigree, a little bit. He does a little bit, but yeah, more of a uh, UDFA body for camp. Okay, Trayshawn Harrison out of Oregon State, another rookie UDFA. I'd kind of put him in the same territory. Personally, I think I would too. Yeah, one to five percent chance he makes the roster. Very unlikely. Um, then you have uh, Jacob Copeland. I'd say a much better shot. I'd I'd say. I don't know, twenty five percent chance, thirty percent. Yeah, chance I, would, I, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd go maybe twenty. I think there's a one in five shot that he okay, beats one in five. these these, uh, these other guys because there there are a couple guys on the, on this roster who have a little bit of tenure, have been here, true, um, that true. have been often on the practice squad who maybe are taking a next step to be that fifth or sixth receiver. But Kyrus, you, you never know. You um, never know. Kiers Jackson. Speaking of never knowing, you mentioned him out of Georgia, also a UDFA. He's tricky because based on what we've seen so far, like a guy like Jacob Copeland is is way more likely to make the roster because he's actually had some flashes at, at camp. Kyrus mm-hmm. Jackson's not been out there. So it's tricky because I, I do trust his ability as much or more than a lot of these depth guys. Like I, I think that he has the ability physically to do it. But at this point, I I, I don't know. I, I put a 10% chance he makes the roster. Yeah, we just haven't seen enough of him out there to really say. I, I, I think based on what I've heard and they seem to like him and they're trying to get him uh, to see what they have in him. So I Mm -hmm. would give him maybe a 10, 15% chance, but I definitely at at this point I would put uh, Jacob Copeland over him. Yeah, I would too. Now let's get to some uh, cult classics. How about a little Mason Kinsey? Mm. (laughs) Once, once again, time is a flat circle. We're trying to convince ourselves that Mason Kinsey is going to make this roster based on precedent alone. Five percent chance. I I would have to agree. <laughs> I would. I would. He is the he is the man's man when it comes to practice squad body, but just this dude's not on the roster. It can't. It can't happen. I don't see it. Reggie Roberson, kind of the same deal. Five percent, ten percent. Then it becomes interesting. The, these last two guys, I'd say at least one of them is making the roster for sure. Um, but I don't know which one. I know which one I'm leaning towards. You've got Racy McMath and Colton Dowell of those two, who's more likely to make the team in in your eyes. Who's more likely to make it in my eyes or who would I want to make it that I feel, feel like answer. Are those two different answers? I think, I, I think they are currently. Okay. Um, Now, now based on that, I would say, I think racy would make, make it surefire. I want Colton, but I think, Honestly, both of them have maybe a 70% chance, if not better, to make the team. Yeah, I'm with you. It wouldn't shock me if it was those six, right? Burks, NWI, Phillips, Chris Moore, Colton Dowell, Racing McMath. That 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 wouldn't shock yeah. me. I'd be surprised if Copeland was left out. Maybe he's the seventh guy. I'll mm-hmm. tell you this, though. From what I've seen from McMath, and I was if, if you followed any of my coverage at all, last training camp, I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid on Racing McMath. In in training camp, he looked really good. He looked like he could bring a vertical element to this team that they did not have previously. 
my faith has been shaken a decent amount in what Mr. McMath can bring to the table. Again, I've only seen two practices with him, and it's they were in May. So a lot can change. But as of right now, he does not look like a guy out there who's going to be winning a job on the 53-man roster. He's got he's got a lot of work to do in my eyes to to get to that point. Dowell, on the other hand, they can. I'm so interested to see how they continue to use him this week, purely because they've been using him a lot. Like they've been using him a lot, a lot um, so far. Even as a seventh round guy, I think they like him. Like the body language tells me they like him. So I, I'd say right now there's like a 75, 85 percent chance he makes the roster. I think they really like this guy. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think that's why I would lean towards both of them making it, although I could really see uh, Jacob Copeland kind of overtaking Racy McMath. Racy McMath is... Um, I'd say he's whether, the biggest threat to those two making the team. I, I think so. Um, and, and just because he's been given a bunch of chances and it just really hasn't worked out, if they have a, a some some fresh guys come in there like a Jacob Copeland who look to just have a little bit more... Uh, speed and a little bit um, or a little fresher, I think they might mm-hmm. be able to maybe get faster and get a little bit younger, even though Racy isn't that old. All right, I'll move on to my third pick. I'll go with tight end usage. I want to see how they use this tight end room. We've seen a little bit of it so far. I need more. Give me more sample size. All of this in this new offense is kind of getting down to the what is this offense going to look like this year? And a big element of that is going to be the way that they deploy these tight ends. Specifically, their their top three guys, Chigakonkwo, Trayvon Wesco, and Josh Wiley. Different questions with each. With Chig, I just want to see how, I mean, I mentioned last week, um, and this is really maybe tiptoeing the line of what I can and can't say from camp, so I've got to be careful. Not trying to to tick off anybody over, over at the Titans PR department, but they've been using... Okonkwo in a lot of different ways. And what the way they've been using him, it reinforces the idea in my mind that he's going to be a large, large consumer of targets in this offensive scheme this year. Like besides Traylon Burks and maybe Kyle Phillips, those are the only two guys that I think are going to be targeted in the passing game more than Chikakonkwo based on what we've seen so far at camp. They've been utilizing him a lot. He's been electric a lot because we, we love Chig, the Prince that was promised. We are the, we are the Chig program here in town. Um, so do they continue to do that? And do they continue to be creative in the ways that they line him up and utilize him. Um, that's something that I want to see Trayvon Wesco. Where are you, bud? Like you're on, yeah. he's on the team. I've been, I've been informed. He's on the team. I, I've been assured he's on the team. We've not seen him yet. He he's injured with something. We don't know what, but like, where are you? We, we we're going to need you out there. And if you're actually on the team and you know, these other two guys, like it's, if he's not out there, it changes the, is it changes the whole calculus of the tight end room. As I stammer over my words, he's supposed to be the blocking down guy. If he's not, then maybe Chig doesn't see quite the, the passing uh, volume that we're expecting. Maybe Josh Wiley is, is not given a chance to be much of a passing threat early on as, as I think he will be given a chance to be, um, if they have Wesco utilized in the way that we're expecting them to utilize him, but he's not been out there. So where are you? And then finally, Josh Wiley, like, just show me something. You know, we, we've seen some flashes from him, big body guy, clearly an athlete. His, his teammate, Chigakonkwo has, has ranted and raved about him 
as a guy who has a really firm understanding of route running, a firm understanding of offensive concepts, how to how to in in zone um, uh, maximize and poke holes in in a defense, where to sit down in the soft part of a zone, how to get separation in man, um, all of these things from a from a from a craftsman standpoint as a route runner, he seems to have um, and be a uh, I think ahead of the curve as a young guy in that position. But let's see let's see how they utilize him in the offense as they're running team drills. Is he somebody in there getting looks or is it really all going to Chicaconquo? That's what I'm most interested in. And I think it's going to be most telling um, how the tight ends are used in terms of the way that this passing game is going to look. Yeah. Josh Wiley is probably the tight end this week that I'm most interested to see as I've been on this program since, uh, since the draft, he wasn't my favorite pick out of Mm -hmm. all the, the, very many tight end options that were good options. He would have not been my first, um, but I'm interested. I, I'm willing and open as I have been since they drafted him to have my mind changed and have sure. and and become a Josh Wiley fan. So I'm interested to see how he's used more in, in a in a bigger sample size this week. Yeah, we move on do. here. Let's go to let, let's go back to the secondary here because okay. some, something we talked about during the first OTAs first round of OTAs was Elijah Molden. He was yeah. um, taking a, a, a lot of drills and a lot of snaps in this, in this OTA practice at do you mean safety Elijah Molden or do you mean cornerback Elijah Molden? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, or is it's, that it's, the question? It, that is the question. Okay. I think, All right. I think that is the question. Which one are we going to see this week? Sure. Um, if he is still taking some snaps at safety, is that, is that where, he starts to move. Are we starting to see him maybe move over there? Because as we've said before on the show, the the depth of the of the safety position for the Titans is very thin. <laughs> we, yes. Scraping the bottom of the barrel after you get past the the, the starting guys. So Hooker um, fired, maybe Molden, and then yeah, yeah. The, the, not not a lot there to be had. So uh, will we see Elijah Molton at safety during these mandatory mini camp, or is he moved back towards the cornerback position? That'll be pretty interesting, I think, to watch this week. I'm with you, and it'll only be interesting to me. Like we, the reason we've seen him play a lot at safety the past two practices, media has been allowed to be at, is because the first one Kevin Byard was gone, and then the second one Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker were gone. So. We need both of them to be back to get like you know an accurate reading. Like it, we need to find out: Are they playing him at safety in practice out of necessity, or are they doing it more because they want to see him moved to safety? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting once the, the gang's all back. Where does where does Hopefully Elijah Molden back? And if yeah. they are, if he, is he still playing back there? Right. Yeah, it'll be pretty interesting. Uh, my next one, I'll go. Uh, th- we've kind of danced around this one, so I'll, I'll get it out of the way just as many clues as we can gather on this new offense. We, we've seen a little bit, but what, what are some more clues that we're given? And again, some of these things I've, I've gathered from camp. I've had to keep to myself or talk to JT off the record because we'll get in trouble if we talk about it on the broadcast. But a, a number of them we've been able to talk about so far, and a number of them have been spoken about at the podium by coaches and players. And it's all positive. Like the vibes are high, JT, on this new offense. The vibes are high on what it's going to allow them to do, how they're going to look different this year. Everything that we've seen and heard indicates that this team offensively is going to look a good deal different this year than they have the past couple of seasons. Um, all under, you know, the past couple of seasons have all been the same West Coast style of offense than that 
Shanahan style of offense with with Art Smith, and then with um, uh, uh, dude who got fired last year, who I'm totally Todd Downing. On. Todd Downing, thank you. Um, and now Tim Kelly coming in, bringing in a, a new verbiage, the earned hard something. It, I forget. Mike Herndon wrote a great piece on it. Uh, it's a it's a brand new language for the offense that is kind of old school, but they're utilizing it in a in a new school way. Um, with it with new school concepts so that's something that is interesting to me I find interesting in, in terms of you know we feel like we know what Titans football offensively looks like because it's been the same the past four or five seasons with a big change just how different is that I think that as we get more and more clues that's something that'll be interesting to to key in on I think so too and it, it honestly fans and national media alike I think may be a little bit surprised by by this new by this new offense from well, I can tell you right here. now based on the way that they've been creative with like positionless ball players in the in the backfield tight ends utilized differently running backs utilized differently receivers utilized different differently I feel at liberty to talk about that because it's been mentioned on a number of different programs by different folks in the media but like a lot of pre and post snap motion a lot of movement by position that's all new to this Titans team they've no, we've not seen a ton of that from them in recent years and if if that's true, like a true indicator of what they're going to look like this year, buckle up. Yeah, I think I think there will be a couple people who assume that it's just Derrick Henry and running the ball like same Titans uh, football running it back, I think might be in for a little bit of surprise. Two questions here left. I'm going to go with one that it's probably not. I, these two last two questions are a little, um, I think, a little boring. It, we're 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 looking at some some of the some of the parts of the team that aren't talked about a lot, and I think one that has kind of Maybe gone boring, under, but important. Yes, Definitely. important. Um, kind of a position on this team that's gone under the radar is the linebacking core. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's been a lot of key exits with uh, Zach Cunningham being cut and David Long Jr. being um, s- signing with Miami. What what is this new kind of shakeup in the in the linebacking core going to look like? You get Harold Landry back, so that's always nice. Yep. But then, um, do we see Monty Rice kind of take a step and become a pivotal player that's going to going to start each game? How mm-hmm. does um, Aziz Al Shair look? And besides that, I mean, behind them there there isn't a great deal of of Luke depth. Gifford. So- Ben, Ben Neiman, Jack Gibbons, Chance Campbell, mm-hmm. Otis um, Reese, the yeah. fourth, who, <laughs> so what? Like, a lot of guys. And then maybe even in, with that, we've talked a little bit about this, this kid in Caleb Murphy who set records mm. at FCS ball. Is, will he be able to, to make this team and maybe provide that depth and rotational piece that they need on this defense? No, I'm with you. I think it is another pretty thin position and you're right. Monty Rice and Aziz Alshair need to hit. I'm, I'm confident Aziz Alshair will, will be fine. I don't know quite what his ceiling looks like, but I think at worst he's serviceable. Monty Rice, if he's on the field, he'll be serviceable, but but can he stay healthy? Like He's already dealing with another injury right now, and it's May and June. So that that's a, that's a real concern for me as well. The last one that we'll talk about here before we get out, Trey Wolf, I, I'm I'm back on it. Yes, I'm going to continue to mention Trey Wolf. Does he? I left that I left that one for you because I appreciate you're, you're it. Putting your eggs and all in just one basket. I am. Here. I am. I got my chips on Trey Wolf to win this kicker position for the Titans. Do they continue to use him in practice as a guy getting, you know, the, the starter looks? Is, is he looking like and being used like the guy who's going to be the guy? That's what I'm interested to see. I think that they're going to. I think that they're going to continue to give him opportunities, continue to demonstrate their faith in him. But 
we'll get three practices in a row to kind of feel that out this week. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I think the more and more you you talk about it, I think I'm I'm hopping on the Trey Wolf cha- train. Yep, yep. All right, that's it for today. We, we, those are the ten things we're looking for out of OTAs this week. We'll be able to talk about all of them on Wednesday. We'll do a show. Uh, maybe it'll be live. Maybe not. Probably live, but but not quite sure yet what that'll look like. We'll have a show Wednesday talking about the first two days out there at. Uh, mandatory minicamp and then on friday we'll recap everything that we saw all three days talk about it all and then kind of transition into the off season until then everybody have a great start to your week for producer jt i'm your host easton freeze this has been the hot read podcast enjoy all the content from mandatory minicamp this week have a good one we'll talk to you on wednesday